Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the TV Pilot's License Flight Number 36 with service to a galaxy far, far away. We ask that you please fasten your headphones at this time, secure your podcasting device, and remember, if you see a small green creature meditating in the aisle, uh, please notify your flight attendant as soon as possible, and I would recommend seek some shelter. Welcome to the TV Pilot's License. My name is Jeff Kerbis, joined by Max Singer. Max, how are you doing today? Oh, ready to record podcast, am I? Oh my god. Afraid well, of copyright infringement, I'm not. <laughs> well, this week's uh, this week, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we are going to a galaxy far, far away, and we are talking about Star Wars Clone Wars, the animated series. Uh, and Max, unfortunately, we're missing a co-pilot. Rich is not here. Uh, he was actually asked by Master Yoda to go on a secret mission to discover who is the puppet master behind Count Dooku's strategies. So we have brought in a new co-pilot to help fly this starfighter. Our guest is the host of the web series Dear John, where he reviews bathrooms. He is a actor, a trivia host, and really trying to figure out whether he associates more with the Sith or the Jedi. Please welcome Brendan Sargent. Hello, Republic dogs. <laughs> oh, welcome back, Hotshot. <laughs> well, Brendan, thank you so much for joining us. And Brendan, you actually brought Clone Wars to us. What inspired you uh, to bring this amazing, at least in my opinion, one of my uh, favorite animated series to the podcast? Yeah, so I am sort of a, this might drive Star Wars folks nuts, um, but I'm sort of a late comer to the extended Star Wars universe. I loved Star Wars as a kid, the movies, obviously growing up, but I don't know if it was my age or what, but like these cartoons came out like in my late teens and early 20s, and I just completely missed them. And my my friends watched them and loved them and recommended them, but I just got to them a few years ago. During the pandemic, I watched all of it and was obsessed with it. And I've watched the series through a few times. And I think it's some of the best writing, some of the best character work in the whole universe. And I was just excited to talk about it. So I'm glad that you all bit. Extended Universe to me is like those motivational posters you see in your eighth grade classroom of the iceberg where it's like the tip above there is me being like, yeah, I, I've seen the movies. And then everything <laughs> below there is like, no, there's books and there's lore. There's video games. There's TV shows. <laughs> yeah, there's ex- cartoons. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, and at the bottom, you're like, well, if Kai Narek had done a better job with Asajj, maybe she wouldn't have gone oh to the dark God. side. You know, like <laughs> there's a lot under that iceberg. Max, I'm curious. Um, I am the self-proclaimed nerd of our podcast, but I'd love to hear, prior to watching this episode of Clone Wars, what was your relationship with Star Wars like? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. no You're I, a, uh, are you a zero Star Wars guy? No, I, I've seen all of the like theatrical releases okay. minus Solo. Okay. And I've seen oh, okay. season one Good of one The Mandalorian. So right. I I am really just a scratching the surface level. Like, I'll talk pod racing with you all day. Uh, sure. Or like, at least the two jokes I know from Phantom Menace. But this is really uh, uncharted territory to me. So it was cool to just go in, blank slate. I've got like no conceptions about this whatsoever. And I could just like watch like with no bias. Cause like I, I, I didn't grow up with like tons and tons and tons of star Wars. I never read a book or anything like that. So this is exciting for me. This is really fun. Awesome. I love that. And um, just to give the audience some background, because I know you're just hungry to hear. Um, I was introduced to star Wars in the nineties when they brought all of the original films back to theaters uh, for production, which was, and then, you know, I was hooked from there, there on out. There is 100% a photo of me uh, as a wee boy uh, in a Darth Vader outfit for Halloween. Um, You know, was I there the first evening for watching the prequels? Yes. Uh, I very vividly recommend. Now, I sort of had a blank spot as well when it came to Clone Wars and Rebels and all that stuff, but... Uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, I've decided I am going to rewatch all of the Star Wars filmography in true chronological order. 
and I fell upon the Clone Wars. Uh, but, you know, I'm getting a transmission uh, from our missing co-pilot. And Rich, what is your question of the week? Hey guys, hope you're having a great week, unfortunately without me. Um, but I wanted to ask, because this is similar to our Batman episode, uh, a extremely well-worn piece of intellectual property. And I wanted to know, at what point do you think is too much for amount of Star Wars stories within that universe? Is it, you know, was it the Mandalorian? Was it the movies? Is it things that they have broadcasting right now? Like, I'm just curious, what point are you going to give up on the Star Wars franchise? Because it's just, like, too much. All right. So, Rich, we got your broadcast. Brendan, I'm going to start with you as our guest and also our tried and true Star Wars fan. Um, what is too much? I think my answer to this is a bit of a cop-out. But my answer is, when it's not good then it will be too much. And so I'm not saying we haven't gotten there, but I think for me as a rule, and maybe this is just because like I, I, I love these characters and I love big extended universes, but I'm sort of like, yeah, if there's, if there's juice there, keep squeezing. So, but, but the problem is inevitably the, the, quality of the product will get diluted i mean that's what's happening in marvel i'm a huge marvel fan but the last like four movies basically have been like total duds yeah. and i i think that it is that directly because of the the amount of it no but it is indirectly right because the amount that they're putting out has an impact on the people behind it who are making it and then the quality goes down because of that and so it's like as a rule my answer is like no, no amount is too much but the, the reality is that eventually the quality starts going down i thought this season of the mandalorian for example was really disappointing i just thought it was like kind of boring i thought book of boba fett was like weird and wonky i think there are some moments that are really amazing and some really cool exciting stuff and they have this enormous seemingly endless universe to to play with but it's got to be good for it to be to for them to keep going i think max what about you what if i was a dick it was just like return of the jedi <laughs> <laughs> i mean I, think, I don't think that's that unreasonable either yeah. though i think that that's a totally fair opinion to have i'm sure there are people who believe that. i i think my answer is similar to yours brendan in that it's it's too much when you're just spinning the same wheels. There's so much here. There's so many stories to tell. I don't personally ever need to hear the name Skywalker ever again. We've done that. Um, we've wrapped it up. It's time to move on. As long as you are telling original stories that are made with passion and are coming from a real place of interest and discovery, and they're not just meant to sell plushies at the holidays and they're not just meant to be ip tie-ins then then keep doing keep digging but find creators and showrunners and directors and writers who want to actually tell a new original story and let them do their thing but if it's just to fill up stuff in galaxy's edge at disneyland then let it die yeah i totally agree i think that um <laughs> This whole commodification of the Star Wars is the real problem. So. Yeah, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I, I think that there's absolutely no problem with the commodification of Star Wars. Um, I think that, and as far as Star Wars goes, um, there was a moment that happened a few years ago uh, with The Last Jedi that came out in 2017. Because I walked out of that movie theater thinking, holy shit, this was such a fun new take on Star Wars. And Brendan is going to look at me like I said something that literally I stabbed him in the chest. Um, but let me explain why. The way that that movie was made, yes, it sort of spit in the face of the old lore, but that was the entire point of that damn movie is let's try something new. Let's go after something new. Let's not just focus on the same damn families that we've been focusing on for over 30 years. 
Um, and I was hopeful that that was going to be the tone. And then Ryan Johnson was put in the no-no place, uh, only to be seen again with the uh, Knives Out series. Uh, with that being said, Max, I think that one of the things that we're seeing, and Brendan, to answer your uh, opinion as well, I think that we're seeing producers getting overly involved in Star Wars, in all honesty. And that is with Book of Boba Fett basically being a secret Mandalorian season. Uh, with Mandalorian season two basically being, hey, we want to do an entire series about these other Mandalorians, but we don't want to upset people. So, like, we're going to call it the Mandalorian. And the main Pedro Pascal is going to be there, but like, we're also going to focus on a lot of other shit at the same time. Um, and then we're going to have this Ahsoka series, which am I fucking pumped for it? Absolutely. Am I going to watch every episode? hundred percent. But at the same time, we're supposed to be in this galaxy far, far away with all of this IP that we could use from the legend series. And it hasn't been seen on screen. So I'm hopeful, right? But I will say that, there's a lot of other television out there that's starting to look really good and really interesting to me that, you know, doesn't always have to do with... Yeah, yeah, do Star do Wars. the odd couple with two droids. I want to see that. <laughs> well, they do it. There are some Clone Wars episodes that are basically that. Yeah, that are like exactly. bottle episodes of just 3PO and R2, and they are legitimately so much fun. Yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, good call, Max. Well... Rich, thank you for that thought-provoking question of the week and uh, maybe a little bit of a controversial question of the week. Um, well, gentlemen, before we dive into Clone Wars, a quick synopsis for you. Jedi Knights lead the Grand Army of the Republic against the Droid Army of the Separatists. That's all. Uh, and Max, I'd love to hear what went into making the Clone Wars. Oh, buckle up, boys, because today we are talking about Star Wars, the Clone Wars pilot titled Ambush, which aired on October 3rd, 2008 on Cartoon Network. And we're going to first go back to a galaxy far, far away, uh, 1973, Los Angeles, California. And we're going to talk about George Lucas coming off of his first Best Picture nomination for his second feature, American Graffiti. Uh, following American Graffiti's success, he's trying to secure the rights to the Flash Gordon series, but... When it falls through, he scraps the project and decides to write his own space action novella instead, a movie by the title of Star Wars, which becomes the highest grossing film of all time upon its release in 1977. We're now going to jump ahead to 2003. The Star Wars prequel films are failing to sell toys. This is really important, gentlemen. The, the toys are not selling. Families are going into Target and they're saying these are not the toys they're looking for. And so to try and boost sales, uh, George Lucas says we need to do a cartoon series to try and get people interested in the characters that we've just introduced in episode two, Attack of the Clones. That series is a short-lived, although very critically acclaimed project called Star Wars Clone Wars. I'm going to be very clear here. This is like a reverse Sean Parker Facebook situation. Uh, it starts off with Clone Wars, and then there's a later project that we're talking about called The Clone Wars. Uh, they're both excellent from what I can tell, uh, but just, just so you know. That project is helmed in partnership with Gendy Tartakovsky of Dexter's Laboratory and Samurai Jack fame. After the prequel trilogy ends with uh, Revenge of the Sith, Lucas begins development on a continuation of wanting to tell a story that links Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. Uh, he could have done that in a movie, but instead we're going to do it with another cartoon series. And this time around, he brings on a gentleman by the name of Dave Filoni, uh, who is its supervising director, the showrunner of this project. Filoni's a storyboarding artist and director of shows like King of the Hill, Timo Supremo, Kim Possible, and Avatar The Last Airbender. Impressed with the first few episodes that Filoni's putting together, Lucas actually combines them into a feature-length film, which airs on Cartoon Network and then receives a wide release. This film actually made $68.3 million on an $8.5 million yeah. budget, making it by far the lowest grossing Star Wars film of all time, but an incredible recoup for the team at Lucasfilms and Cartoon Network. Again, so, yo, just Jeff. So fun fact about this, um, when they were 
agreed to make this movie, the way that the movie was made was by using the first couple testing episodes of Clone Wars. And the studio producers were like, this is great. We can make a movie. And then just threw it in theaters with very little promotion associated with it. I do want to recap really quick for those listening at home. So today we are doing the show based on the animated feature, based on the shorter lived attempt at an animated show, which serves a bridge between two feature films in a series of films, which are prequels to a trilogy from the 70s and 80s. We got that. We're all on the same page. Great. Filoni is actually a major player in today's Star Wars universe as well, though. Uh, He serves as an executive producer on Star Wars Rebels, along with being a co-creator for The Mandalorian and an exec on Book of Boba Fett, uh, Ahsoka, and Skeleton Crew coming soon to Disney+. Plus. It was actually just recently announced that Filoni will be directing a live-action feature to close out all of those Disney Plus interconnected stories. So we're going to be seeing a lot of Dave Filoni's handiwork in the years to come. But today, let's talk Ambush. Well, Max, thank you for that awesome a little bit of history into what went into making this. Uh, And let's dive into this show. Uh, This show, just forget about a cold open. We start with the title card. We get a PSA uh, saying, great leaders inspire greatness in others. And then we get our first little stray away from traditional Star Wars, where usually in Star Wars, we open with the text crawl right? Uh, That we're all used to slowly going up the screen. But in this instance, the crawl is being narrated to us to give us that little bit of exposition that, you know, we need for like the idiot who has never seen Star Wars before to the person like Brendan and myself who's seen way too much Star Wars. I laughed so hard at this like 1940s news from the front. (laughs) Tom, Tom Kane. Tom Kane, isn't it so good? It's it's so so. This is one of the things I love about this show is that they lean into every aspect of it. Like they don't they don't care how kind of anachronistic that that voice is. Like it, they're like this is how we're gonna do it, and they do it all the way throughout, and and it just works. Like and that Tom Kane's a legend. He's also the guy who does the voice of Yoda. He's so so good. Um, and it yeah, it's like a breaking news yeah exactly a 40s broadcast war of the worlds type voice it's the best yeah do kids understand the whole there were news bulletins before movies in the 30s and 40s or is that just a joke for the parents probably just for the parents i would imagine is it bad though that because of this you know having watched this series but because of the way that this was done in my mind i sort of think okay this is how george lucas potentially brought this to the studios of we're going to have an old-timey person say the entire text crawl. And the studio, studio was like, hey, a little bit too much. Let's try pulling it back a little bit. What if we just put – what if we tested people's ability to read? And, like, no narration whatsoever. Um, but, Max, you had something on your mind. You ever you ever get confused by the exposition or is that just me? <laughs> <laughs> you, I mean, you, you ever lose your place when you're getting explained what the show is going to be about? And you have to pause the show for a second or, or, or am I alone? <laughs> I, I mean, I think that this, in uh, in comparison, if we're treating this truly just like a pilot, right? In comparison to some of the other shows that we've done that have used exposition as a tool of getting and catching the audience up, this is doing the least. Uh, oh, yeah. Like they they are really trusting that you're not just diving into this series fresh, um, which maybe is a little bit of a mistake we'll talk a little bit about how this show was produced and it's not really in chronological order but that's for another day and another time um but yeah i i mean max i think that's completely understandable that you were might have been like wait what the fuck is happening right now oh thank god <sighs> yeah i i think it, it it's certainly i rewatched the movie the aforementioned spliced together film uh, a couple days ago to prepare for this and i and it's not allowing me the objectivity of watching it as if I was just watching a pilot because in my head, I'm like, Oh yeah, they, yeah, <laughs> this is basically like episode four of, of the series. But yeah, as a pilot, it probably could have benefited from a little bit more, uh, a little bit more detail and maybe, you know, one or two of the people who are going to be the main characters for the remainder of the series. Cause Yoda is not one of the top three. Yeah, builds, absolutely. Even close. Um, so we're on the 
moon of uh, Tordaria in this instance. Yeah, Tordathon. Uh, there, there is <laughs> uh, there is set to be a meeting between Master Yoda and uh, King Katunko, um, who is obviously the king that's in his name. Otherwise, that's a great first name. Uh, keep notes uh, for future offspring. Max, Max, quick, real quick. When you met the Tardarians, I'm guessing you didn't recognize the species name, but when you met King Katunko, were you like, oh, I know, I know what, I know this one of these guys? Oh, yeah, I was so excited. They brought back the anti Semitic aliens who run the pod racing garage <laughs> in Phantom Menace. Exactly. You know, when, when you did the Yoda voice at the beginning, I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing my King Katunko. I'll tell you yeah, that much. But, but here's the question Did you expect king katunko to have the voice from the prequel series no 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 because this guy's the king he's regal that guy works <laughs> in a garage <laughs> so here's another question for y'all um king katunko is the one of the few instances where we have an actor who has a little bit of crossing the streams with one of the other pilots that we did can anyone guess the pilot that we have previously done that king katunko's voice actor was a part of oh geez who's the actor it's brian george and the answer is father of the pride where he played one of the elephants uh because he has a very storied voice acting career as well as you know it's a very recognizable face um you most people would probably recognize him from seinfeld oh Uh, yeah yeah (laughs) um but basically uh as we move forward it appears that Count Dooku is playing his old tricks again, that rascal, uh, he's and rascal. he's interfering with Yoda being able to have a easy negotiation uh, by sending his apprentice. Uh, this show also suffers from something that Pretty Little Liar suffers from, where we don't know characters' names until another random character says it 10 minutes into the show. Uh, I will spare the audience in this case. This is Ventress. If you've watched the 2D Clone Wars series, you would know who that is. But I don't expect anyone who's listening to this to have any clue what I'm talking about. Asajj Ventress, of course, uh, one of the this is this is one of those things where I think if I were like 12 when I watched this and not in my like 30s, I think I would have grown up attracted to a very different kind of human being. <laughs> because like Asajj Ventress is, is like dripping with sex appeal and she's so terrifying. And and even like the oh, this is in the movie. I knew I was gonna do this, but there's a scene she's she duels with Obi-Wan in the movie, and there's like clearly sexual tension in it. It's 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 like kind of over the top, to be honest with you. Yeah, Brendan watches that every night. You know, <laughs> he's just he's like, you know what, Obi-Wan Ventress, let's go. He's creating fan fiction. Max, what were you thinking when you met this Ventress character? I mean, I, I'm with you. I had no idea this person's name was like, okay, we got we got evil lady, we got Count Dooku, we got droid bots. Uh, I mean, it feels like you know, with these cartoons, you need something for the kids, serve for the adults. Brendan clearly got something for the adults out of it. That's awesome. This is why these shows are successful. <laughs> well, so after the scene, though, we start to see what what is this um, sneak attack, or as the episode is titled, ambush, um, and we see that the Republic ships are being attacked by the separatists. Um, I would just like to say master Yoda in this instance is extremely selfish. Let me explain why. Uh, while he says, I am going to still go and still negotiate. He then tells the commander of the ship, shoot off all the escape pods, all of them all at once. So I can make it down there safely. What is that ship supposed to do? If they get attacked on the way home, I I would like to ask a million questions about that. And Master Yoda, how dare you not think about just in the moment? Hey, man, there's a very simple answer. Big time players make big time plays. That's exactly right. And the mission, there's no part of the mission that says to get home. So that's the answer. The mission Damn. is to the mission is to get to the moon of Toydaria, and and then it's up to the clones can figure it out. They'll be fine, but it's not part of the mission. Mission comes this, first. Very saving, Private Ryan of you, uh, Brendan, in this <laughs> instance. Um, but we get to the basically we there. I love how in Clone Wars they use the droids as bits of comedy throughout the in, and this is not just. 
the this single episode max this is throughout the series they use the the droids as these comedic breaks um and i'm not kidding when i say i think they're laugh out loud funny at points throughout the show genuinely unironically funny i i really they, they write it really well like when the droid says uh says i got him i got him and then he misses and he says well that's my programming. I was just like, I was generally cackling on the couch because I was like, that is just a great joke that is probably for the adults who are watching this with their kids. Um, but at the same time, it's just really fucking funny. Yeah. There was a moment a little bit later on where one of the droids gets, he gets attacked and he says, no, I just got promoted. And if yes. I was a little kid, that would have been the funniest thing in the world. Exactly. To These guys still are is delightful. <laughs> No, it's still it's still funny. I I love them as a comic relief device throughout this entire episode. The droids, bar none, are my favorite characters in here. Uh, this goes against every single rule of we need to see characters be good at their jobs. They're so bad at their jobs, and I don't yeah. want them to be good at their jobs. Just keep on doing what you're doing. You guys roll. And. Yep. Here's a little thing. CEOs who are listening or uh, executives who make hiring decisions. This is what's going to happen if you replace us with chat GPT. They're going to fuck up too and right. miss the. It might not be a missed shot. It might be a fucked up budget or uh, it might be, you know, Brendan at trivia. They might screw up the answer to trivia. Who knows? There are a lot of stakes. Don't replace us, please. Thank you. That was my PSA. So we get to the planet yoda arrives with three clones um and basically there is a wager that is set uh for the negotiation there are words said by the king that you know he's heard that a jedi is the equivalent can take down a hundred droids just by themselves um cool the ventress says well let's see if uh we gave master yoda a fair fight and he can take down that fair fight, then he gets to be the protector in this instance. Um, and you automatically know that this bitch is going to basically not do a fair fight whatsoever. But Master Yoda knows this as well and agrees in that moment in time. I did really appreciate how clear the A plot was once we're on the moon. It's like, hey, there's this bet. Winner gets the moon. Uh, yeah, that's in simple terms, obviously. But like, it, it, it does a very good job of just setting up, this is what we're doing today. And then over the course of the next 20 minutes, we do that thing. Yeah, and it doesn't even really... The beauty of having such a clear A plot in a series that has so much lore, depth, and other characters is it's like, okay, cool. This is your A plot. This is all you should be giving a shit about right now we're not caring about obi-wan or anakin we're not caring about coruscant we care about master yoda and these three soon to be named clones uh making their way and getting to the king as a whole making their way downtown i would have i would have i you know that that was like my one takeaway from this episode that that i that i didn't love was if this was the pilot I probably w would have wanted to see Obi-Wan and Anakin. Um, yeah. But I, I just got a dose of them by watching the movie. And so I'm guessing like a lot of the fans were, you know, and people who are watching this, like they know that they're going to be in it. But I, I, I found, I find the episodes less interesting if they are not in it, which makes sense. Uh, opposite of the spectrum. I didn't even know the other guys were clones. So you know. <laughs> there you go, Max. Um, so as we go through, um, we start getting these small bits of wisdom, let's call them, from Master Yoda saying, uh, to reach our goal, a straight path we will not follow. Um, and so they start making their way through the forest. We get these comedic, comedic bits of relief as a whole um and just getting to see how dumb the droids truly how dumb the droids truly are um which necessary in an animated children's show but i really did love that throughout this we're starting to also get to see clones who are very much methodical in their way starting to learn from this 
Yoda character or this leader in this instance of what they truly are capable of doing if they just trust in one another. I'm a big fan of watching Yoda pick up another evil droid using the force and then make it have blast all the other bad droids. That that's cool as hell. <laughs> well, that, that droid is also being like, stop. I don't know what I'm doing, which was also like, could you like, I think that star Wars did a very smart thing by making droids and clones faceless, right? Because then one, you don't have to pay a ton of extra actors, but two, you also don't feel bad about hundreds of droids just getting decimated by a human being or in this case yoda uh whatever species he may be um but yeah i like it allows for it to be funny that there's just senseless killing going on all at once yeah i think the personification of droids in this series is what makes it something that you can break into like bite-sized nuggets and do week after week after week because if it's just they're the you know report droids command droids and stuff that we know from the movies and we're going to focus a ton on just them well that's kind of boring because they don't have personalities they don't have characteristics they just follow orders they do a task they do their programming but now they could do anything you can make them say anything you could throw them in whenever you need a quick little laugh or a button and that just expands the entire potential of what you can do with them yeah, there's basically no reason for them to be able to talk. Like, they can probably communicate oh, non-verbally. So, yeah, it, it was definitely the right move because otherwise it's, yeah, you miss a lot of those fun moments. Yeah, I, I do have in my notes, I would totally hang out with these droids. They seem like a great hang. Like, they're they're just so funny. There's moments in this of, like, Ventress saying, who's Master, Master Yoda is the small, shriveled, green one. Um, and... The droids being like, oh, we see a small green creature, like, literally half a second later. Like, so from here, though, we see that the clones, one of the clones gets injured. We're sort of stuck in this cave trying to regroup, figure out what's happening. And we get this big inspirational speech from Yoda as the clones even talk about the idea of we are faceless creatures. We... um our faces aren't much to look at because they're all exactly the same. Um, and this was actually a really nice like bit of like, hey, talking to the CEOs again. Uh, if you want to take manager training, I would highly recommend Yoda puts out a book because his ability to identify the differences between these three people that look exactly the same, wear the same goddamn uniform, is really special in touching of making these clones realize, hey, we're individuals who all bring something a little bit different to the table. And if we can put those all together, we're one strong force of dudes. Yeah, it, pun intended. It First of all, uh, you are part of the problem by saying one of them gets injured. It was Thyre that got injured. So they are, they are all distinct. They are all distinct, different clones. Uh, but yeah, I think I, 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 that line stood out to me when he says, uh, in, in the force, very different, each one of you are, because that to me is the emotional center of this whole series and of the spinoff, which is the bad batch like that, that the show is barely about, I mean, it's a vehicle to get us to, to revenge of the Sith and, and to get us to the, to the Obi-Wan Anakin stuff. But the, the, the heart and soul of the show is that these clones are basically that they're, you know that they can they're in charge of their own destiny and i think that that is a very cool way to set the stage in this first episode and that harkens back to what i even said in the question of the week segment today where it's like if you have a point of view and you have a story to tell and there is a you know a, a moral or a theme at the base of it then keep telling those stories and i right. hadn't really seen that kind of heart i feel like from the star wars franchise in a while I need to discuss something very important from this cave, though. And I need to get your opinions here. We gave Yoda a rocket launcher, and then we (laughs) didn't allow Yoda to use the rocket launcher. Yeah, that's a violation of Chekhov's rocket launcher, for sure. Why are you going to give Yoda the rocket launcher if I don't get to see him shoot it? It's it's so much bigger than he is. It's hilarious when he's (laughs) holding it in the cave. Let, Let... let Yoda fire a rocket launcher. I, I don't know who I have to who I have to beg to do this. Let him fire a rocket launcher. Yeah, 
Yeah, that was a missed opportunity for sure. I mean, yeah, I would really love to see Yoda have it up on his shoulder uh, or propped up against a rock and then fly 20 feet back after shooting the rocket. That would have been great. Um, It would have been that, you know, just dumb comedy that we need. But we realized very few supplies. We got a few grenades, um, I think a couple rounds, one rocket for the rocket launcher. uh, And we have a lot more droids that are coming through. We've seen them. Um, and we is get blaster ammo, Jeff. Do you know this is blaster ammo unlimited? I don't think it is unlimited. Um, it runs because, out. What, yeah, what, what, be, kind of, what kind of juice are they working with then? Oh, uh, it's definitely crypto. Uh, very expensive. Uh, might run on ETH. Uh, but as far as um, Yoda basically says, "Hey, I'm going to go down there. You'll know the right time to participate." Um, for folks who have watched Last Jedi, there is a scene and Yoda proceeds to do something that looks very familiar to something that they did in The Last Jedi, uh, which is Luke Skywalker walking out to an army of multiple at-ats and um, as well as, you know, a battalion of troops being shot to pieces in that instance when it's really just a mirage of himself. But in this instance, this is where I loved the use of animation for the show because the fight scenes that they do and some of the ways that they use the force, like Yoda pulling a droid back into one of the tanks um, in one moment. And then in another instant, cutting a tank in half with the lightsaber. Those are things that could be done in the traditional star Wars way it would just be so expensive to do. Yeah. Not saying that animation is cheap, but by any means, this was just such a fun way to expand what we've seen Yoda do versus him just being a puppet in previous versions of Star Wars. I always like badass Yoda scenes. Like anytime they come up in the movies or in this show, I like when that little green dude is just running shit. I love watching him stick a lightsaber up the bottom of a tank and flinging a dude out from it and commandeering a tank and using the tank to shoot other tanks. Like I, I love badass Yoda. He's the coolest Yoda. Rocket launcher Yoda, badass Yoda. He's also not, it's not like he's young Yoda in this. No, he, he he dies something like 30 years after this. So he's like old, old, he's like base and he dies at like 700 years old. So he's like basically on his deathbed doing this. It's incredible. I did one of, the, one of the best one of the best to ever do it. People say Yoda's not clutch. Uh, he's one <laughs> he's one of the greatest of all time. Oh, Yoda Yoda the goat. Yoda the goat. Absolutely. Yoda might be the goat. Um I did really love when Ventress called in because she hadn't heard from the droids in a bit. A new droid answers and is like, "Oh, he's been destroyed." And then he proceeds to get decapitated by Yoda. Well, and Ventress <laughs> knowing that it's not the droid that she was supposed to call, like that's funny to me too that she can yeah. tell apart the droids. It's uh it's so great. Um but then we get to really our this big moment where teamwork comes in, right? There's uh I think they call them rollers because the clones yeah. have different very non-technical names. Uh, we have clankers, we have rollers, uh, as far as the different droids that come in. That's and about they, what I rollers, wrote down in my notes, too. So, <laughs> rollers, of cor- rollers, of course, are droidicas, which show up in Phantom Menace. Those are the ones that they have to escape from when they're on the ship and they get like that have their down. own like force field and they look yeah, like little yeah. uh roller bugs and right. um, definitely where the inspiration for the design came from. But the clones know that this is their time to shine, and we get that bit of teamwork where hey the entire armada that they faced is taken down um i really loved this final scene that we got um in this pilot and it might seem like hey you guys have barely talked about anything that's because this is a children's tv show one (laughs) Uh, 19 minutes long or something and two there's not many major arcs that we're dealing with the arc that we got to is hey Yoda solved, and he has met uh, the king and Ventress uh, to, or, well, let me go back a little bit. The king tells Ventress, hey, Yoda did it, we're done. Count Dooku says he'll live to regret it, and Ventress has that, you know, sexy, terrifying line of, 
well, your successor uh, will choose differently, attempts to kill him, and then we get Max, your favorite, Yoda just yeah. being a badass. Yoda using the Force, hell yeah. <laughs> and it was just so interesting to watch this, rather than, I very much potentially see that Yoda could probably kill her on the spot, right? If he wanted to. He could have, like, if you're stopping someone while they're mid-swing with, like, full body weight, and you're just, like, barely holding your hand up, um, I feel like you could also probably crush someone's skull very easily. Uh, but instead, we get another lesson from Master Yoda. Uh, the king has agreed that, hey, you don't even need to negotiate. This can be your moon base. And then that is really the end of our episode. As Ventress gets away, the clones start to build their new fortress on uh, the planet. Yeah, we get Obviously one you need... No, go ahead, Max. I'll just say we get one last little tidbit from Yoda where he says, cowards are those who follow the dark side. And I think a lot of people in this country need to hear that from Master Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think, I think, I think, I don't know that we're all calibrated on which one's the dark side. So I actually don't think that advice is any good. But um, I, here's obviously you have to do this in a kid's show, but as an adult and as someone who knows what Ventress's body count ends up being, a lot of blood on Yoda's hands for not just killing yeah, Ventress exactly. right on the spot. Not only did he give her, like he allowed her to take her lightsabers back, which she will go on to kill at least two or three clones with maybe more than that. Yeah, that um, was dumb. Yeah. I'm not saying you have to cut her head off and make a make a make a statement about it. Although how, how fucking badass would that have been to end the episode if he was like, and boom, cuts her head off. That would have been cool. But children uh, just crying in front of their TVs, <laughs> parents losing yeah. their shit. I'm I'm horny as hell for some reason. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I I uh, I, I loved that. I, I think like there were some adult moments in this episode. For example, the and I put the captions on to make sure I heard it correctly. At one point, one of the the clones turns a corner and starts firing and says, "Suck laser." Yep. To the to the droids. <laughs> Which I thought was a little bit adult. And I also just think, I know I, I let off with this, but I also think the droid saying die Republic dogs has like a, it's something very sinister about that for some reason, like calling a group of people dogs. It feels very like World War II. I yeah, dehumanizing. Uh, yeah, other than University of Georgia alum, I don't recommend calling people dogs. Yeah, uh, as a rule. So I, you know, any wait a minute, or excuse me, any things that you loved about this podcast or about this TV show that we did not talk about? Yeah, sound off things that you love about this podcast in the comments. Um, <laughs> oh, at the end of the episode, we give Yoda a sword. We keep giving Yoda weapons. I love this. Give Yoda a weapon every single episode. <laughs> oh my God. That would be I, I want to see Yoda just building an armory. Uh, on an actual note, though, I love the color palette of this entire episode, particularly for a CGI show, there's real warmth in it. They use like fun, vibrant colors. Uh, it's really grabbing. I think that there's too many CGI reliant live properties that make their computer graphics way too dark. And this is so lively and colorful and great example of what you can do to enhance your storytelling. And it's just, it's a beautiful show to watch. That's cool. I wonder if that. I wonder if that because you're absolutely right. And the this episode, the 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 set for it was particularly conducive to like showing off that that animation style. So I'm wondering if that had anything to do with why they chose to do this one first. Because chronologically, I don't think this is first. And I know they do a a direct prequel to this episode in like season three, like that takes place like in the in the. I think in like the hours leading up to this, because they do that sometimes they like pop around. Um, so I wonder if that was part of it was just how cool it looked and like get to show it off. Brendan, what about you? Any things that you loved about this pilot that we did not discuss? Um, yeah, again, I, I think I, I have the benefit of having watched it multiple times and being a fan already, but I, I like the way that they're, you know, it's a kid's show and certainly like plot wise, every episode is like perfectly for kids. It's like, they, they there there are there are arcs as the show goes on but like a lot of them are just these like 
here's the conflict it's something as straightforward as like a bet which like it's so ridiculous and in, in the middle of a war but like sure it's a bet one time one side wins the bet last second moment where another person goes back on the bet but then it resolves like very simple but i think that the world they're starting to create i think like the themes they're starting to explore about um about individuality with the clones i think is really cool i think even just the world you get like a peek into this world of they have different names for different droids like you were saying earlier like they're not all just droids like they need to be able to communicate that this one is a clanker which feels kind of like a slur too which is fun because it's like there's something about it i don't know if it's like the i don't know it just a little bit of it feels like like they like droids would be offended by it if they could be offended by it they'd be like (laughs) hey don't we don't like that word don't use that word um (laughs) but but i but i like that part of it um I liked having a little Yoda. I liked having a little, uh, you know, a Yoda centric episode for sure. I think, I think the, the Yoda talk is a little bit much. Sometimes I think, um, the one that really stuck out in this one is at ease B. And I was like, all right, that's three words, my man, just, just swap those around in your head and say it out loud the normal way. But, uh, he also said in this episode, size is not everything, which I know that you guys do like a wait a minute moment. I think that that was the only one in this whole episode where I was like, uh, I think that might've been, for the for the dads at home i think maybe <laughs> maybe um as far as for me i talked a little bit about the animation i thought that this animation lends itself to star wars as a whole like yes there's i love a live action series right like what they're doing with the mandalorian i think is amazing as far as the advancements in technology um and what we've even seen in some of the more recent movies are really amazing, beautiful pieces of cinematography. But for a TV show to have this quality of animation in 2008 is outstanding. And like really just even today, and they've sort of kept this style of animation up throughout most of the Dave Filoni animated series. And like, I love it. I absolutely am obsessed with it. What about wait a minute moments? Dave, uh, Brendan, you gave us yours. Max, do you have any wait a minute moments that are on your mind? Yeah, I, I really didn't need to see those anti-Semitic caricature aliens ever again. And unfortunately, they're the first dudes we meet. And why why are you giving Yoda a rocket launcher if he's not going to blast some dudes? Let him, <laughs> let him smoke some people with the rocket launcher. Come on, man. Come on, Dave. Come on, George. Let him smoke some dudes. <laughs> Brendan, any other wait a minute moments for you? um suck laser maybe but no i don't think so i think it was i think it was fun and exciting and um for for everybody i think yeah and for me i think we talked about it a little bit at the top i think this show could have a little bit better exposition trusting that everyone who is tuning in has seen everything star wars so they automatically know who count dooku is when he flashes across the screen for two seconds at the beginning of that uh crawl or narration is a choice that i would not recommend yeah come on uh, throw the dum-dums a bone here yeah dum-dums are people too uh this week daddy of the week is actually a mommy of a week and it is ventress um yep ventress you are the mommy of the week uh and i am very confused uh as a whole with that being said, though, we do have an in-flight question. Uh, in-flight questions come to us from our listeners. You can submit them via DMs, uh, or you can give us a call, and we'll make sure to give you that number at the end of the podcast. But this week's in-flight question comes from to us from Alex. Uh, and Alex asks, at the beginning of this episode, we received a PSA saying, Great leaders inspire greatness in others. What other TV show do you think needs PSAs at the beginning of each of its episodes? Max, I will start with you. Oh, man. Um, I I need Don Draper on screen before every single episode of Mad Men letting you know that the level of smoking and drinking that you're about to see on screen is actually bad for your health and you should not replicate it. Kind of like the jackass-style warnings where it's like, these are done by professionals, don't actually do it. Like, no, this level of inebriation and lucky strike smoking was done by men in the 60s. Do not attempt to replicate this at home. Brendan, what about you? 
Um, I think before every episode of Succession, there should be a PSA that reminds you that you don't have any legal obligation to rem- like maintain a connection with your immediate family. <laughs> and so, and so if it's and so if it's a toxic situation that seems to only get worse, just just cut your family out of your life. And for me, I would say if Tucker Carlson still had a show, there should have been a PSA at the beginning of every single episode saying that this is considered entertainment. And Fox News legally said that in a court of law. Damn, um, you 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 zapped his ass like Yoda with a rocket launcher. Boom. Right. Um, well, thank you for that in-flight question. Um, let's talk a little bit about the legacy of this show. Uh, So this show has had seven seasons and 133 episodes. The first five seasons were on Cartoon Network. Season six was on Netflix and season season seven was on Disney Plus. We'll talk a little bit more about why uh, that happened in a little bit. But as an avid nerd of this show, I want to discuss that. So from 2008 to 2014, uh, this show was on Cartoon Network. There was then a or excuse me, from 2008 to 2013, the show was on Cartoon Network. Disney purchased Star Wars in 2013, purchased Lucasfilm Studio, and said, we're canceling Clone Wars. People got upset. Uh, So then they said, one more season, and we're sending it over to Netflix because they will give us the bag. Um, And with that, they said, great. Then in 2019, everyone lost their goddamn minds on May the 4th when they debuted a trailer for the final season of Star Wars Clone Wars, the animated series, and that was shown on Disney+. Plus. We talked a little bit about how this show had a movie before it that was made up of episodes that they had shot uh, and created, and it actually was critically panned. Uh, but as you guys heard, it was extremely successful. Um, as far as the broadcasting of the show, it was super interesting. First, the show was shown on uh, Adult Swim, actually, uh, because Cartoon Network said it was so different than anything else that they had that they felt that that was the most appropriate place to put it. Uh but then they said, eh, it doesn't really fit the same audience. So let's yeah, put it on. this and Tim and Eric back to back. So let's put it in um, actual Cartoon Network. And then they continued showing it on Adult Swim because they said, hey, we have a really good viewership for both. It just makes a little bit of sense. Then they even shot it over to TNT. And it was TNT's first animated series in like 10 plus years. Um, so... Rich, I know you're listening, but you would be so excited to hear there are DVDs for all six of the first seasons prior to Disney Plus of this show. But if you want to watch it today, it is streaming currently on D- Disney Plus. Um, a couple. Look, I, let me like oh. just in terms in terms of legacy. I just want to say the last season of this show is some of the best. I, I I am not ashamed to admit that there are multiple points in this show that made me cry. I think it is like some of the richest storytelling, if not the richest storytelling. I also think Rebels is like really, really good. Um, but it's some of the best storytelling in the entire Star Wars universe. Uh, and up until Andor like has been, I think, unrivaled in some of the new stuff. So uh, I, if if you like the first episode at all, you sh- you really ought to like dive in and watch all this. It's, it's definitely worth it. I, I will say that the last episode of this show um, where they, I don't want to give too many spoiler alerts, but there is a very sad final episode that I highly recommend everyone yeah. watches. Um, as far as this show though, so we talked a little bit, the animated movie was not seen as the highest success as far as the box office goes, even though it made a ton of money on its budget. Uh, but this show averaged 4 million viewers, uh, on its debut for a cable television animated show which is absolutely insane it actually won a guinness world record award for the highest rated rated sci-fi animation on tv 
yeah. which they don't just give those out to anybody. Um, yeah, you have but, to apply. Yeah, exactly. You have to apply. Um, but as far as awards and nominations, 61 nominations, uh, 12 wins, including five daytime Emmy awards, because that's really where animation is stuck. Um, there probably should be a primetime Emmy award for animation, but we're not advanced as a society. Um, just to mention some of the vocal talent that was nominated for awards, David Tennant had a small period of time yeah. on this oh, show. Uh, he actually won an Emmy for his performance on the show. Uh, Jamie King, Liam Neeson, and Mark Hamill shows up as not Luke Skywalker on this show for a small arc as well. Uh, as we talked about, Dave Filoni has taken his success with Clone Wars and run with it. Uh, there is Bad Batch, Star Wars Rebels, uh, Skeleton Crew, Tales of the Jedi as well. Uh, and there also are multiple books that are based off of this animated series uh, that were written, as well as a few video games. Very long history of the show, but one that I think is well-deserved for it as well. Can I just say, I know this isn't possible for a lot of reasons, but I'm now picturing Master Yoda at the Daytime Emmy Awards trying to chat up some actresses from like a primetime soap, be like, Oh, room at Beverly Hilton, I has. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's wonderful. Tom Kane actually won a so a number so. of Emmys for uh for his appearance on this. And I am butchering his work. <laughs> no, he um, would he would he would do it in the main announcer voice. He would be yeah, like, exactly. I <laughs> he'd be like, I have Bartles and James in my <laughs> hotel room. <laughs> um so we do actually have questions for rich's game of the week so listen up boys thanks guys welcome to rich's game of the week uh now that we have so thoroughly dove into nerd territory i wanted to break away for a little bit and just give you a little bit of trivia around the actual date may the 4th so this first question is for max max please name this celebrity born may 4th 1959 in Marshville, North Carolina. This man is a country music star with 16 songs that have reached number one in the country music charts. He has seven Grammy awards and unfortunately some run-ins with the law, but crucially he has a boggle trophy on his bedroom shelf. All right, Max, any idea who that real life celebrity is who was born on May the 4th? Oh man. I know Rich is throwing a King of the Hill line in there for me to try and get it i'm just trying to think of which country stars were related to the king of the hill lore um i'm going to go with uh flugelhorn player chuck mangione the answer is randy travis oh all right brendan our trivia master here is your question hope it's easier all right celebrity may 4th birthday number two goes to you brendan this comedian and actor, born May 4th, 1970, was born in Toronto, Ontario, famously a Leafs fan for life. He moved to New York in the 90s to study at the Lee Strasberg School Willard and Ned. ended up falling in with the comedy community that was blossoming at the time, <laughs> even marrying one it? of its earliest evangelists. Thank you. After now two decades of being a comedy A-lister, unfortunately still <laughs> most people would recognize him as the voice of GMC Trucks, because they are professional grade. Folks, that's how you do it. You come on to promote your trivia company, and you get the trivia question. What was a third of the way through? So what was much. that answer just for the folks at home? The, the correct answer is Will Arnett. Excellent. And now for myself. And the last and final question for you, Jeff. Born May 4th, 1978, this TV personality and Orange Theory fitness ambassador, I am not making this up, was born in the beautiful Lewiston, Maine area and attended the University of Florida. After graduating, she landed her first job as a freelance reporter working with the Fox News Florida Network, then moved to the Sunshine Network for the Tampa Bay Lightning, then Turner Broadcasting for the Braves, Thrashers, and Hawks. In 2004, she was hired by ESPN, which pushed her to national name recognition, and now she's a reporter and host for the MLB All-Star Game, the World Series, the NFL Playoffs, the Daytona 500, among many others. And I believe the answer is Aaron Andrews. And let me check my... That is correct. Uh, 
And there we go. The trivia master, of course, giving us the answer. Uh, well, Rich, thank you for uh, getting us that message from a galaxy far, far away. And Max, for the record, yours was by far the hardest of the three. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I'm just really playing up my uh, my role as the dub dub this week. <laughs> Roger, Roger. Well, with Rich's uh, game of the week done and our starfighter coming to a land, um, I have two questions for each of you gentlemen. Do you think, and this is a little bit of a different one, this series should be continued because I think there's a lot more stories that are associated with it. And would you continue watching the current version of this series? Brendan, I think we all know your answer, but I want to hear from you. Actually, the answer to me is no, this series should not continue, but what they are doing should continue, which is like more Bad Batch, more just like more spinoffs that include clones, fine. But I think the Clone Wars show has to end just because of the nature of the last season. And would you continue watching this show? That answer is is a strong yes. Max, what about you? Based off of the pilot that you saw. I mean, I came in knowing nothing. This is maybe the coldest I've come into a show we've done so far. And I think from what I watched today, that... Well, I, I don't know anything else. So, so yes, they should continue to explore any stories so long as there is room to explore within the parameters of between episodes two and three. If you have another direction to go, if you have another corner of the universe to talk about what's happening at this time, then cool, go for it. I want to speak directly to all my fellow dub dubs out there, everyone else who saw that we were doing an animated Star Wars series this week and questioned whether or not they should download the episode. Do it. I came in so surprised, uh, or I walked away so surprised. This is such fun storytelling. It's that balance of like for the children and for the adults kind of humor that I love in animation. It looks gorgeous and it, it just get past the exposition. Just trust me, get past the exposition. This is so much fun. Or I watch the movie. Can... Watch the movie first. Yeah, that'll watch, help you out. Watch the movie. Don't don't Run it back. watch attack of the clones and revenge of the sith but watch this this is really no, fun. actually I, oh so this is this is my last point which is that i think the magic of this series in particular is is how much it helped episodes two and three from like a story perspective i think it you can't really do anything about like the writing and the performances that are sort of like lackluster but but in terms of storytelling and character development it it really makes episodes two and three better because you get seven seasons of Obi-Wan and Anakin like getting to know each other and becoming brothers. And and so it doesn't feel as abrupt and weird. Like everything about episode three, even though episode three is the best one, feels abrupt and it feels unearned in my opinion. But if you watch this whole show, all of a sudden like the beats start to make a little bit more sense in the third movie. So I think it's redemptive in that sense. I think that's another legacy of this show. And yeah. I'm such a, a, a fanboy of the prequels now after watching Clone Wars. It's really ugly. It's an ugly character trait. So what I will say for myself is, Brendan, very similar to yourself. I think that a version or they should continue making styles of Star Wars IP in this fashion, if that makes sense. Um, it doesn't just need to. There's a lot of history of Star Wars that happened outside of between episodes two and three, right? There, they could go one and two. They could even go yeah. before one if they well, wanted. They, they have. They've started with uh, Tales of the Jedi. Yeah, with Tales the, of the, the first, Jedi. And it's really good. It's very cool. And I think that we need to, as I said sort of at the beginning of this podcast, there's a lot more to Star Wars than just two families. Uh, and I think one of the reasons that Clone Wars was so beloved was because it adventured outside of that. And I hope that the folks at Lucasfilm, uh, the folks at Disney sort of take a fucking hint uh, and start to believe in getting a little bit more confidence in the IP itself. With that being said, would I rewatch this just based off of the pilot? 100% yes. I think that, Max, you put it so well. Um, in a world where that it seems like animation is there just to almost be crude and just be 
dark humor in many jokes. Um, you know, we could talk about another Cartoon Network animated series that a lot of people have very strong and passionate feelings about. We could even talk about Big Mouth and Human Resources, both of which I'm fans of. Um, this felt more like something that I could very casually watch and not have to be have my witty hat on. Uh, instead, I could just watch and let a very simple A plot happen and me sit there and be a dum-dum for 20 minutes and enjoy it as a whole. Um, with that said, boys, our ship has landed. Uh, before we say goodbye, I'd love to hear where we can find you two gentlemen. Brandon, first of all, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Where thank can you, folks boys. find you? Um, I'm at Brendan P. Sargent everywhere, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, which I don't use that much. And then also I have a web series called Dear John. That's uh, uh, Dear John on YouTube. Um, if you type in Dear John Bathroom, there's a lot of Dear John content out there. So maybe Dear John Bathroom. Uh, the last episode we did, uh, Reggie Watts and myself and my uh, creative partner, Joel, my co-host, we reviewed a bathroom with Reggie Watts. And he's super funny and a super nice dude. So uh, that's Hey Nice Bathroom on Instagram. And then I also have a trivia company called Lucky Guests. And that's Lucky Guest Trivia on Instagram. and a lot of Instagram accounts, folks. And um, yeah, if you want to do like a Star Wars trivia night, let me know. I, I can I can write the game and host it for you. Max, what about you? Where we yeah. where can we find you? Everyone go watch the Reggie Watts episode of Dear John so you could hear Brendan and Reggie Watts harmonize on Age of Aquarius or as they sing Age of Aquarium. Uh it's it's so much fun. Go check them out. They rule. Uh, you can find me on both the Planet of Toyotathon or at your local Toyotathon. Uh, you can also find me on all things social media at Maxwell Singh. And you can find me uh, really just writing why The Last Jedi is a much better movie than most fans give it credit for. Uh, you can also find me on social media, Twitter and Instagram at runjeffrun. Uh, you can find the TV Pilots License on YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at TV Pilots License. Our next episode, we are actually going to be doing Gem and the Holograms, uh, which you can find on Tubi. Uh, so if you have questions, maybe an in-flight question, please feel free to send those to our Instagram, our email, tvpilotslicense at gmail.com, or you can give us a call at 213-290-1713. Make sure to watch out for sneak previews of that Gem and the Holograms episode. Uh, we will have them up, but with the plane landed and the seatbelt sign off, we look forward to playing the bright skies of the TV world with you again soon. And until then, may the Force be with you. <laughs>